Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. My name's Tim Doyle, and this is Project Sports. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Project Sports. How's everybody doing? We got a lot to go over today, but first I want to stop and recognize a person that has passed away who I was friends with over in England, Alcumberry. He was a staff sergeant of mine who worked at the Combat Arms as an instructor and someone who I played sports with and someone who definitely deserves some recognition. He passed away at a a vehicle accident at the age of 35, leaving children and a wife behind. Um, words of comfort, I just wanted to give some of those people who knew him, who were very close to him, who were in the combat arms, who I'm also close with, just some words of encouragement and to stay steadfast and believe in each other to help us through it. So some scripture and some quotes that I wanted to take as far as he was a military staff sergeant and served his country at the highest level. Um, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, who comforts us all in our affliction so that we'll be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort for which we ourselves are comforted by God. I think oftentimes when we look at a situation where someone passes away, people don't know how to react and they don't know how to be comforted. So sometimes I, I try to put myself to be making sure that the small little things that you reach out to people that you know need to comfort. And when you look to yourself that you know that you will be comforted by God. Joshua 1.9, I have not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I think that that's something that Jacob Burns definitely embodied wherever he went. I don't really know if he was a Christian or not, or it just seemed like his mentality and who he was as a man embodied that. I also found a quote by General James H. Doolittle. says, there is nothing stronger than a heart of a volunteer. And even signing up to serve in the military, it shows a great passion uh, as a volunteer to be able to serve everyone around you for the greater good. And that's something that he displayed immensely. No man is entitled to the blessing of freedom unless he has been vigilant in its perseverance. General Douglas MacArthur. Just another quote, I, I kind of piggyback off the volunteer one where just taking in what freedom really means and no man is entitled to it. And that's definitely st something that Jacob Burns definitely embodied as well. Something that meant a lot to me. And this last one here is something that sticks with me when I met Sergeant Burns and who he was as a person. This last quote I'm going to give describes him perfectly. This quote is from John Quincy Adams. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, and do more, and become more, you are a leader. And I'm going to segue into a story of when I first met Sergeant Burns. He acted as if he, he knew who I was. I think he, he probably had heard that I was uh, the soccer coach of the Alconberry team, and he had been hurt as I had quickly was reminded from someone else who came on the team and said, hey, this guy, he... He has some injuries, but he still comes out to some of the games. And I remember just 
it, it just this infectious when everyone saw him, they gravitated towards him, asking him questions and smiles went on their faces. And in a small amount of time, the game started going and he started preaching as if the refs and everyone else, like he was in control of the game, even though he wasn't allowed to play. It showed true leadership of who he was as a person right off the bat. And in my, in my conversations with him, I started to understand more that he was a person that stuck his neck out for other people, always taking care of those around him. Just a, a true good soul and a good person, Jacob Edward Burns. May you rest in eternal peace. And in honor of him, we're going to talk a little about, about Manchester United, which is his favorite soccer team. And also, we're going to talk about the Patriots and Julian Edelman retiring. And we're going to get a little bit into the draft, but not too much because not much has changed there. Start with Julian Edelman and his retirement. Um, news broke today that he retired from the NFL, and it sort of came out as he was released from the Patriots or medical. His knee is pretty messed up pretty much for the last year and a half. You were kind of wondering if he was ever going to come back anyway. So this is not too much of a surprise, but yet definitely a huge fan favorite. And then also very monumental in not only just one Super Bowl win, but multiple Super Bowl wins and a big playoff player and brought much and prosperity to the team. I mean, Winning Super Bowls didn't come until after Wes Welker left. That's how I, I always kind of gauge it. The Randy Moss, Wes Welker era of wide receivers didn't win, but the Gronkowski and Julian Edelman duo won championships. So, and it's 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 crazy because if you match up the numbers between Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, you would probably lean Welker on paper, and then also maybe Randy Moss as an all-time player. Granted, Rob Gronkowski's going to make the Hall of Fame as well. So just to give you a little back thing, immediately after we were like, wow, he was a great player. I was talking with my friends. The story broke. And then you go right into, well, you know, his career is done. Here we are. We got we got all his career stats. And where are we going to go from here? You know, what will be his legacy? Will it be that player who makes the Hall of Fame? Or is it just a person who made a, an amazing catch in the Falcons Super Bowl and then was a really crunch time playoff player and Super Bowl player, stepped up to the plate all the time, had a great regular season career, but do the numbers pan out to uh, Hall of Fame? And so I went to Pro Football Reference and just taking a look at what they have to offer and how they rank their system because everyone can mean stats don't lie. The stats are what they are. They're not going to change, but some people can compare like how they weight what the stats really mean to them, playoffs or bills, whatever. So Julian Edelman, so they have this thing, it's called the HOFM, which is stat. And that stat uh, correlates to, I'm going to just go to read it here because that'd just be much easier. Um, the stat is the Hall of Fame monitor score. So uh, pretty much all the uh, current wide receivers who are playing or retired, and then they're comparing them to the ones who have already made the Hall of Fame. So there's like a whole listing, of a point system out of 100. So the Hall of Fame monitor score indicates the player's chance of an election to a pro football Hall of Fame career started after 1955. 100 is an average Hall of Fame player at his position. So pretty much at the top, you're, you're going to be looking at oh, over 100 uh, points as far as average Hall of Fame wide receivers hit a 105. Like Jerry Rice in comparison is a 311, the next uh, best, you know, 
Hall of Fame metric this has is Randy Moss at 149. So it's not even close. One and two is really far. But it seems like about 149 to Chris Carter, about 10 players or so to 122. So 149 to 122 is like the top tier talent pretty much of all time. So Julian Edelman, if you go down the list, is around 36 as far as that metric. Um, he is on the list, so he is being considered as far as like they're, they're stacking all the stats of the best wide receivers that have ever played. And he's put around, if you're, you're going to look at some of the players that we know around him, is like Plexico Burris is above him, Des Bryant is above him, Mike Evans, who's still currently playing, is below him, Troy Brown is below him, who's retired, Emmanuel Sanders is below him, who hasn't retired yet. Um, so these are the kind of the class that he's in as far as their ranking system. Um, so when you go over his three Super Bowl champions championships from he played from 2009 to 2020, um, how many games, receptions, and all that. Um, receptions all time is 620. So the reason I'm going to say the receptions, I'm going to match Wes Welker because they're a similar player through the same franchise. And that was a question that kind of came up quickly when you're comparing Julian Edelman to Wes Welker. Uh, his career receiving yards is 6,822, and he had 36 touchdowns overall for his entire career. And then, uh, so here we go. We're gonna go. We're gonna scroll up a bit because actually Wes Welker is a bit higher on the list. He's a 55 as opposed to a 36. Um, his his ranking here, and he's got a 903 receptions. So he has quite a bit more receptions than Jules, and he has 9,924 yards over his career. So you're talking regular season, and he's also got. 50 touchdowns as opposed to Julian Edelman's 36 touchdowns in his career. Now, Jules has played 11 years and Wes Welker, I think, ended up playing 12 years. So, I mean, these are just stats that are thrown together to say like, hey, was Julian Edelman a better product compared to Wes Welker? And I would argue yes, because in the long run, he made a clutch play in the Super Bowl, whereas Wes Welker dropped one in the Super Bowl as a clutch play. Um, and he seems like more of a playoff player and, you know, Went, he wasn't that much of a worse regular season player. And when it comes down to it, you know, he won three championships with the Patriots. So if as far as a Patriots player, he was definitely more beneficial. But also Wes Welker went and won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning in Denver. So he wasn't, you know, he, it's not like he didn't win a championship. And actually, uh, as far as touchdowns go, Wes Welker had a 10 touchdown uh, season, which is more than Wes Welker never even got close to that. He, I think it was highest was seven touchdowns in a season. So as far as a regular season talent, Wes Welker seems like he's got the push. And then Julian Edelman on the back end with the playoffs, seems like he was a better playoff player. And for the Patriots seemed more meaningful for him. Sorry if you're not a stat geek. I mean, I'm, I'm not normally, but the, it's kind of comparing his career and see where he's going to go. Because I think a lot of people, especially in New England, you know, they like to always oh, a Hall of Fame player. He's made so many great playoff moments, but it's really still hard to make a case that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. It is because the stats in the regular season are not there, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward. Plus, being a slot receiver, it's not always beneficial to be making the Hall of Fame. It's really hard, but there are slot receivers who have made it and who could play any position. Wide receiver, wide receivers, just position. You should be able to excel at it and make the plays at what you do. But usually the outside receivers or bigger receivers, I, I just think him coming as a quarterback and forming into a wide receiver position as far as Bill Belichick transforming him into that and adapting to what he did as a punt return, kick return, blocking, all that stuff. An amazing player, an amazing talent. 
so appreciative of Julian Edelman and a great marketer. I mean, immediately when he retires, he writes uh, Foxborough Forever and he's selling these T-shirts. He's just really good at merchandising, trying to make his money and pretty much benefited and used it in the right way. I feel like Welker was a fan favorite, but he didn't really market himself too much in New England. He just kind of came popular based on him playing with Brady, but Julian really took advantage of playing with Brady. Like he really made a brand like JE 11 selling to the fans in the local area and all that kind of stuff. So as far as hall of fame, I'm not sure local legend and probably a Patriots hall of famer. Absolutely. But that's probably about it. I'm going to probably lean. No, only because it's not what I want. I would love to see Julian. I think based on his playoff performance and Super Bowl performance, he should be a hall of famer, but that's not how they always quantify things. So, therefore, it's probably going to be a no. Great career, great player. And now we're going to transition to the EPL and Champions League and talk a little bit about Manchester United in EPL in honor of Staff Sergeant Burns. And we're also going to hit in the Champions League and some of the results last week and then going into these uh, final games, the quarterfinals, uh, and see who makes some predictions of who may or may not win and see how everything sits. So, first, let's tackle the English Premier League. Um, a crazy weekend. Uh, a lot of games this weekend had big implications of how things might play out. First one that got off to a good start was from my team, Liverpool, showing some fight in them. Um, they were put it, put into fourth place, but then you know quickly with some of the other results that happened later on in the day, and then also the next day, put them back down to sixth place. Um, they had a really strong win finally at home and a two-one victory over Aston Villa. So in that game ended in the 91st, well, a game-winning goal in the 91st minute by Trent Alexander-Arnold, which is a uplifting moment for him because he's been struggling. Plus, uh, Gareth Southgate has been calling him out or uh, pretty much saying he's just not in good form and he's not been playing well, so therefore he wasn't called up to Team England. But this game-winning performance maybe might change his mind. Gareth Southgate was in the crowd watching the game um, it panned up to him after Trent scored the goal, which I thought was fitting. Obviously, being a Liverpool fan, I'm a supporter of, you know, Trent. People, you know, players have bad, uh, you know, spans. And in the past month, Trent really hasn't been playing his greatest. But the way Sarah, Gareth Southgate did that, it just wasn't appropriate. I think he just – I heard from multiple reporters or professional reporters say that, you know, uh, Southgate is a media pleaser. And so I'm going to I'm going to lean on them to see that. I mean, that's the type of person he is. I don't really know who he is that much. I've kind of liked the way he's managed England, but there are things that I don't like. And he's got a lot of talent. He has a lot of decisions to make. And it's very, very difficult. You know, he has to put out the best product on the field to try to win a Euro and then a World Cup. So and that's coming this summer. So it's a lot. It is a lot of tough decisions. But when you have Trent, who's arguably the best besides maybe David Alaba, he's probably one of the best right backs in the world. And I had to say that because Brandon would freak out if I didn't mention David Alaba. But Trent, arguably the best in the world at right back. And then, you know, he's got a bad form for, you know, a small period of time. Instead of trying to motivate and maybe kind of hide like, hey, you know, he's just not going to be a brought up right now. He, he's dealing with some stuff. and just. But really, to put him on blast like that, it's just probably not the best thing for, you know, moving forward. Because, you know, what if in a month from now he's playing great and you want to bring him up to the England squad and now there's friction and tension between the coach and player? And maybe it's all fabricated through the media. We don't know. But, I mean, that's just it, it kind of shows poor form in his part. Anyway, we'll, we got a little sidetracked there. A little Trent Hurt there because I'm a Liverpool fan. Anyway, a bigger matchup that uh, came down the line was West Ham versus Leicester City. And West Ham holding their own. 
beating them three to two in a in a close game and in a tough matchup. It was really a great matchup, and and both those teams. Well, West Ham really needed to win that game to stay above and keep that Champions League spot for next year, and they did it. They managed to do it. But a big victory that happened was okay. So we were we were thinking maybe Manchester United would lose to Tottenham, and they would drop to open up another spot for a Champions League because there's a lot of open spots. I mean, anything can happen in these last few games here. And Manchester United came out and won this game 3-1. to one. They they went down one nothing. Human Sung scored the first goal, and they battled back and won 3-1, to one, a huge, huge victory. So, I mean, I'm not a fan of uh, Manchester United by any means, but Staff Sergeant Burns, you'd be proud of your boys, the Reds. They, they won a must-win game for them even to be considered to win the EPL. Now, I'm going to allude to that softly because Manchester City seems like they have this locked up. They've got an 11-point lead and 74 points, whereas Manchester United's got 63. Anything is always possible. They could hit a skid. Someone can get hurt. One of the main defenders like Laporte or Stones or Walker or the midfield with Kevin De Bruyne or Foden, someone goes down, two players go down, maybe they struggle they're not playing so well. Maybe they focus more on Champions League. I don't think they will, but United is at least poised to make a run if they mess up. But it's Man City's to win. Like, they're probably not going to lose, but we did see Man City stumble in this past game that they played. Uh, they lost 2-1 to one against Leeds, and they were down a man. Leeds was down a man. It was tied 1-1, and they got a red card. They were down the whole game, and they had a counterattack, and Leeds scored and won the game. Two to one. So, I mean, concerning, but not really. Manchester United will probably, I mean, sorry, Man City will probably bounce back. And maybe it had to do with them playing against Dortmund, putting a lot of energy into Champions League. They got to play Dortmund again, focusing and getting their players ready to play Dortmund again. Because that's BFAB is a really good opponent and team. Maybe that's what their focus is. Plus, they're still in the FA Cup. Manchester United, has, I mean, Manchester City has a lot of good players and a really deep roster, and they're trying to win multiple cups at a time. I mean, it's a very daunting task when you're playing in the Prem, you're playing in the FA Cup, still the EFL. They have their final uh, for the EFL against Tottenham in a couple weeks, and then also the FA Cup semifinals plus the Champions League final. It's a lot to balance. So I'm sure um, Pep Guardiola is managing the team, and maybe they just felt like they couldn't put their – their best out there to win this game, which they have a steady lead, but that's something to watch because they are overweighted. They're trying to win four cups at the same time. It's very, very difficult and a daunting task. And their main focus should be the Champions League. It should be. If you lose the Prem, it's it's not a big deal. It's a big deal, but it's not because if you win the Champions League, I mean, that trumps everything in my book. You're, you're the best of the best, and it's the, it's the most prestigious award you can win, I think, as far as a club. So with that said, um, we are going to get into the Champions League now and just look at some of the matchups going into this week because we have uh, aggregate. And so who, people who don't know what aggregate is, the games, the, the goals carry over to the following week in the next game. So we'll first start with Real Madrid and Liverpool. Um, the Reds lost 3-1, to one, and now we're, they're going back home to Anfield to play against Madrid again. This matchup is very, very good. I I didn't see how this game played out was going to be like this, but it was a tough matchup just like I thought it was going to be, but the way it played out was just not, like as far as Liverpool dictating the field and then Madrid countering. I really thought it would probably be more balanced and then maybe Liverpool or Madrid would win by a smaller margin, even though it was three to one. Um, 
Manchester City and Dortmund was a 2-1 win. That was a very good game. Watched that one alongside. But the, probably the best game in the game, game of the week, for sure, was Bayern versus PSG. 3-2 win by PSG. And it's the first time that I've gotten so excited to see Neymar and Mbappe get back and, and you know really stick to Bayern after losing last year in the finals to them. And just watching Neymar and Mbappe play really well together. Neymar's passes were on point, And Mbappe was a great finisher. And they really took over and won that game. And let me tell you, the, the goalkeeper on PSG, too, that was an unbelievable game for him because the Bayern had many opportunities, and they really controlled that defense and played well. There was also no surprise with Porto versus Chelsea. They won 2-0. Going into this week, I still, still think that you know Chelsea is going to dominate and win the game by a 1-2-0 or two nothing win again, and they'll, they'll definitely reach the semifinals. Uh, my prediction is... <sighs> It's tough for me. I really feel like Madrid in the end is probably going to win this series because Liverpool has just got too many injuries and too many players that when you when you look at Madrid's midfield and all the players and talent they have, it's just going to be too overwhelming. And maybe they're just going to be focusing, Liverpool will just be focused on the, the Premier League to make sure they make Champions League next year because it's super important as far as where their level and their status has gone. And with losing Virgil van Dijk is super important um, and having him back next year to play in Champions League talent you know and uh, a game to keep your eye on is the man city Dortmund game i mean i mean yeah Dortmund would love to be either tied or have a lead here but i mean at least two to one you're in a position to actually make a move here you're in a position to actually win and get a two nothing win three nothing win it's not going to be easy man city seems like they're probably going to win this game handily but they have a chance they have good players they have good talent and we're going to see that um, but definitely the game to watch out for is PSG and Byron this week. That's the one you should be looking forward to. Anyway, uh, I'm going to cut this episode off at this point here. A special shout out to all my fans who have been alongside this road with me. Uh, I, I know I haven't come out with many episodes recently. I wanted to apologize for that. It's just been life and learning a new job here where I am in Colorado and getting used to things and settling in. More will be coming, especially when the draft gets closer and then post-draft as we we enter the summertime, and we're going to talk Boston Red Sox, the Bruins, the Celtics. We're going to get to all those things and any other sports type that comes around. I'm trying to get some more people on the podcast, um, talk a little golf, talk you know anything that you do uh, sports-wise. You want to come on and talk about it with me, hit me up. We can talk about it on here. Um, I've had people on here talk about uh, bike rides, um, guns, and sporting events like that, and then also local businesses. So you want to reach out and have a conversation about what you do and who you are we can we can definitely do that i want this to be a uplifting show about sports and engage in conversation where things are meaningful and passionate and alongside talking local sports and national sports i'm down for anything so again i want to make sure that this is known that i'm going to dedicate this episode to staff sergeant burns rest in peace i love you bro i'll see you again in heaven one day 